Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ohio Exopolitics. I'm your host, Mark Snyder. I think we are live on Studio A. At least I hope so. I wasn't sure after I first checked and it sounded like the station may have not been alive. My wonderful guest today is Barbara DeLong. And Barbara, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, thank you for showing up. And uh, (laughs) I think we're going to start a regular program from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern here on Studio A. And my my name is Mark Snyder, if you guys haven't heard me before, and I'll be the host of the program. And I think much of our show will be dedicated to the writings of Edward Albert Meyer. Billy is a 81-year-old man who lives in Switzerland. He's written about 50 books and thousands of pages of contact reports. He's got 1,400 photographs of interesting ships flying around his home in Switzerland. And he's there's about 100 other eyewitnesses, and he's got metal samples and all sorts of... Uh, the films were, were one of the most interesting things, but I'm not really going to talk about the... The normal stuff, the the physical evidence, I'm kind of interested in the writings of Edward Albert Meyer, and that that is a whole other story indeed, and Barbara's going to join me, I think, on a regular basis, maybe the first Saturday of each month, and we're going to do some discussion about this case. So I think where I'll start is... When Billy was a very, very young boy, and I talk about this a lot on my program, when Billy grew up in uh, Bulak, Switzerland, which is farther north than Hinterschmid Rudy, he currently lives about 45 minutes east of Zurich in the snow-capped mountains and the, the pine forests of uh, kind of northeastern Switzerland. When he grew up, which was right around the time of World War II. He lived even farther north in Bulak, Switzerland, near the Eichenmoser and Bruder Mountains, in, in an area called the Glatt Valley. And he lived a few miles from a town called Bulak, Switzerland. His little his place he lived, he referred to as, I forget the number, but some number, and then Niterflox. I don't know if that's a village name or a street name. But right around, I'm thinking 1939, I'm guessing, maybe if it was 41, he had just turned four, and it was um, a warm night in May, and he woke up. And he describes this strange state of mind he was in. He was looking at his own body somehow, which I don't completely understand. He was looking at his own body. And then he crawled out a lower window in his bedroom and sat down on the bench and he looked up at a a beautiful starry sky and he heard his own voice say some things. For example, he said, my life is, is made out of the love of creation. And he also said 
since ancient times I lived among the stars. And another thing he said is that he saw the the light that the stars emitted, but that there was an invisible light that he called the love of creation. Later, when he would grow up, he would realize that he was getting impulses or signals from something called the storage banks or the, the spiker banks, as they're called in the, in the German. And let me read a, a paragraph or two, and then I'll bring uh, Barbara and we'll, on the air here, and we'll discuss a little bit of this. It said, well, it happened during a mild night in May in the year 1941. And if I remember rightly, it was around 3 a.m., in the night of Sunday, May 4th. In any case, this is how it has all been etched in my memory, indeed, because everything which took place at that time was a special experience. I slept and dreamt that I saw my own body lying asleep in the bed. Thinking about it, in my sleep I made the observation that I really was asleep, which somehow amazed me and moved me to wake up deliberately. A little drowsy, I looked out the window, through which I saw a clear, starry sky. So I rose from my bed, went to the window, and climbed out as it was almost on ground level. Outside, I sat down on the simple bench which stood against the wall and which my father had built. And I could not see the moon. However, the sky was clear and wrapped in velvety black and millions of stars shone down from the firmament. For a few moments I sat there like that and looked up to the stars while pondering and in my thoughts flying far into the universe. However, suddenly something peculiar happened inside of me, from which the next moment irrevocably changed my whole life. Strangely touched, I look at my hands and my body and could only vaguely recognize them. So I touched my body and felt it, and when I heard my own voice say, my life is made out of the love of creation, I could not explain why I said, said that, and which power led me to speak these words. A slight shiver came over me, although the night was quite warm, and then I noticed that I also felt peculiar, nevertheless, I was not frightened. So, Barbara, you've probably read this before as well, and this is just the beginning of of something called Billy uh, that Billy calls "How It All Began." And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would read that just to introduce the idea of creation. And I thought we would start out and go ahead. Let me get your f- feedback from that first. Well, you know, what he experienced was an out-of-body experience looking down at his body in the bed. And it, he, it, he was etheric. It was his, you know, it was an out-of-body experience. But I think at the very beginning, um, it, it was fascinating to me that, that they started breaking him into the element of, of contact or other information at a very young age with telepathy. And what what was so amazing to me was that, you know, he, he wasn't freaked out by it. It was it was unusual, and um, he was either he went to or he was taken to um, a local priest, 
who told him it's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. And which is so unusual because, you know, in that time frame, you know, he was probably setting himself up for an exorcism if nothing else. But but the priest priest was great to him and said, This is okay, don't talk about it a lot with other people, they won't understand. But um so that so that he was he got confirmation and comfort so that he was more open to the communication than than a lot of other people would have been at that time frame. Yeah, the the man he met with was a guy named Pastor Rudolf Zimmerman. And evidently the playaron, which we'll talk about in a minute, had contacted him telepathically. And he was going to be kind of a support system for Billy at a very young age. Well, I think one of the things that that I read too that I was fascinated by was that at the time Billy was born, there were three other people that were born at the exact same time frame. Yes, and it, and it was it was kind of like, you know, they they were hedging their bets and everything, but Billy is the one that that apparently two of them were okay with the telepathic stuff, but they didn't go any further. Billy was the only one, and, and then I think the fourth one they lost contact with or, or died. I'm not sure. The two that were telepathically linking with the uh, Plearns uh, did die in a car accident, I think. Mm. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. That's something I've totally forgotten about. That's that's fascinating, you know? That's what you got me for. (laughs) (laughs) I get the trivia, you take the heavy stuff. Um, No, but but what I I found fascinating was um, he was, I don't want to say created, I mean, because he was created the way everybody else is, but the spirit within him was was one that has evolved through time so that that spirit went into his body at the time or shortly after conception so that it, it would be able to be birthed into this time frame to be able to do what he's done. That's a very profound statement. Let's talk a little bit about the spirit. And I think this kind of leads into, I think we're going to have to define at least the best we can, what creation is. And then we'll talk about reincarnation and the spirit. Uh, 21 days after the sperm fertilizes the egg, the spirit form comes into the body. And here you have this little, I don't know if it's called a zygote at this stage. It's only 21 days old. But it does have a tiny little brain. And this little spark, this little fragment of the universal consciousness comes in. And it brings with it, in the subconscious, if there has been previous lives, all of the evolutive values from the previous lives. So all of the, you know, the, the wisdom, the discernment, the logic, the confidence, the cheerfulness, those kinds of things are part of the subconscious. Now, the the thing about this is we have a subconscious, a conscious mind. We have a personality. And every, every incarnation, we get a new personality. So what's reincarnating is the spirit form which in the German of the Meyer writings they refer to as a telstock or a fragment of the universal consciousness. In Billy's book called The Psyche, he states that most human beings on the earth, their spirit form is 4.5 million years old. 
So they've been reincarnating on the earth for 4.5 million years, which is phenomenal. There uh-huh. are, isn't that incredible? Uh, if you think about that. Now, here's something even more credible, incredible. He said some human spirit forms on the earth are 8 to 12 million years old. And these are people that first came here on ships in the very, very ancient past. Well, yeah, you know, th- this material is so vast. You exactly. know, you you need a PhD course in it all. <laughs> I I went through um, a lot uh, on um, in in YouTube. There are a series of nine or ten or twelve tapes, and and they're pretty cool. But what I found fascinating was they start back with the creation of the universe, and then. And then they come up with um, four, 40, million year, uh, 40 million years ago um, is when the human species, you know, kind of, you know, appeared. And at that time, there were 343 different varieties. And, and it goes into the billions and billions of years that, that have passed since then. But what, what I've... I spoke with you a while back about my theory of creation and human evolution, the spirit, the spirit's evolution through time. And I said that you and I, you know, that at that time that I disagreed with Billy Myers material because in my, in my belief system that is unique unto me, Mm -hmm. um, my theory was that the spirit would evolve and evolve and evolve and evolve until it became a creator of universes itself. Mm-hmm. And in Billy's material, I found that that's exactly what he's saying. That the, 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 the spirit form that we're in right now is going to develop and evolve for 60 to 80 trillion years until it becomes, until it develops in to the next creation. It, it fuses with creation. Well, it it says develops to become creation. Um, where now there's a lot of goofy stuff out on the internet, and there's also some some uh, bad translation in terms, especially of times. Well, yeah, no, I, I, but, but to me, whichever way it goes, I, I think it it becomes, and if you want to say it fuses with creation to continue to create creations, that's fine too. I think the thing that got to me was, you know, we, we keep thinking, you know, I hear people saying, well, the next time I'm, I'm going to be done and then I'll be able to retire. And, and the reality is we're on a trip that is 60 to 80 million years. Uh, let me, boy, I'm glad you brought that in. And you, you bring up some really good points and I will try to give what I've, I've done my best and hopefully I can find this information I didn't really plan on quite going off on this this tangent, but you bring up some some really good stuff. And one well, of you, the, one you know, of, I go ahead. I think I think one of the most important things about Billy Myers' material is that um, that that it wasn't God that created the universe; it was thought. And 
and it's it's it kind of takes us out of the the it, it does kind of it is in contrast to biblical stuff, but it makes greater sense that there was an idea, a concept that became a thought that became a creation, and the creation created, and it had nothing to do with a, a religious element. It had to do with spiritual energy. The oh boy, this is my own bad. Okay, let me um, let me quickly run through this. The since we're off on this, we've kind of got to go with it a little bit. Okay. The, there are seven evolutionary steps to a human spirit. Form. Yep. The first five stages. Well, let me just go through them real quick. Uh, the the seven stages are primitive life, rational life, intelligent life, real life. Life and creation of wisdom, life in the half spirit body, and life in the purely sp- spirit form. Mm-hmm. Now, how long we spend in each one of those stages? Currently, right now, we're in rational life here on the earth, which is the second stage. Yeah. So we're supposed to be able to think rationally. We don't always do that. In, in the third stage, an in intelligent life. We just start space travel. We just start things like genetic engineering. In, in the, the fourth stage, which is real life, at that stage, we become true space travelers. We can travel from star to star with almost no time passing. We also become tremendous genetic engineers. And one of the things that Semyasi said was that her ship the central computer was was basically biological in nature and it was sentient it was aware she could communicate with it so she or her ship was essentially a living being with a metallic hull which mm-hmm. is a phenomenal thing now the fifth stage is called life in creational wisdom now, at this stage, we start to really be able to develop the powers of our material consciousness. And that means telepathy, telekinesis, levitation, those sorts of things. At this stage, we can become what's called the king of wisdom or the Ishwish. I think they actually have a test that they have to pass to get that title. Hmm. And the other interesting thing is... This is also called the age of recognitions. So at this stage, which is far, far into the future, we can start to remember our past lives. And at that stage, uh, we can handle what could be very traumatic memories from these previous lives. Oh, I would think so, yeah. Now, yes, in the sixth stage is life in the half-spirit body. Now, we're half-physical, we're half-spiritual at this stage, and we spend a lot of time in this stage. I think it's another 40 million years or something. I'm going to try to look up those exact time period. Now, just to let people know, there is stuff on the Future Mankind site, which is like mostly what's considered the authority on the Meyer material, that is incorrect in terms of the translation and the time periods. Just to give people a warning, um, I don't know why they've never got that all sorted out yet, but in the seventh stage of human evolution, 
that's when we're purely in a uh, spiritual form. And we evolve up through these seven different planes at this point. So I am going to switch over really quickly to uh, contact report six. I'm glad you brought this up, Barbara. This is some very interesting material. And um, I just thought I would read a little bit of this if, if we uh, might find this a little interesting. I don't know exactly where I'm going at the moment. But uh, it's Contact Report 6. If you guys Google Billy Meyer Wiki, you will find the Future of Mankind site, which has a lot of interesting. Now, let me just read a few things. Uh, for example, um, rational life. This is stage two. Primary development of reason, effective realization of reason and its use, primary recognition and the acknowledgement of higher influences, belief in higher influences without having knowledge, belief in higher power, delusional faith, fear of evil, veneration of good. This is a germinating time for religions. It's the present stage of average earth human development, which I thought was very interesting. But in each of these six stages that are talked about in Contact Report 6, um, is very, very interesting. Now, in this, just to go to what with you were talking about a little bit, in, in the sixth stage, where we're half physical, it does say something about spiritual creations. It doesn't elaborate mm -hmm. on what that means. So, Well, you uh, know, every, every living thing on the planet has a part of creation within it. And one of the fascinating things that, that you know, they all have, everything has a spirit, actually. Mm -hmm. And what I found fascinating was that animals um, have a different degree to which they can evolve. Mm -hmm. so, that, so that, you know, spirits that are in animals are, are animal spirits. They don't hop over and become human spirits at any point in time. Though I have cats I feel are human. But I digress. But <laughs> but but it does it was very interesting to me that 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 there were the spirits every single spirit has the capacity to create thought and to therefore create to their level of consciousness. Let me let me bring up something that I never really paid that much attention to, and this is reading it straight from the the Billy Meyer wiki here. It does say in the seventh stage of evolution that there is the creation of life forms. I mean, yeah. that, that's pretty. That's just pretty amazing if you think about it. But but think about artificial intelligence that is, or will soon become a life form. And so they say, I mean, I, you know, we could have a whole nother show on artificial intelligence. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. No, there, the, the Meyer material, I think one of the really most important things that people need to understand is this man literally had no education. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
I mean, literally, he had none. He ran away from home. He joined the Foreign Legion. He didn't like killing people. He went to Spain, got married, lost an arm, and came home. I mean, he he had he had a strange life. But um, and and there were time frames where he didn't get have contacts. But but when they started to to really give him information, he wrote it down. He. Um, and he types faster with with one arm than than most of us with two. Oh yeah. So he there is. I think when you look at his material, when you start to read his material, you begin to understand that the wisdom, the knowledge, and the information that he is sharing could not possibly have been gathered by someone with his background. It has to have come from somewhere else. Well, thank you for saying that because I've had a hard time with putting into words because a lot of people are kind of empirical. They're just empiricists. But to me, the, the proof is in the pudding when you read his writings. You quickly, all oh, there's no doubt. Once you start, don't you agree? Once you start to read his writings, there's no doubt anymore. Yeah. And, and I, I think also um, it gives you a whole nother. Um, philosophy, or it puts another philosophy out there. It does. It does not cram it down your throat. It gives you something to think about, to agree or disagree with. But most importantly, it makes you think. And and one of the you know the the major things that that I have struggled with over the maybe the last decade is that you know the Bible just didn't do it for me anymore. And so, you know, you step beyond it and say, okay, what's another idea? What's another way we could have, you know, evolved onto this planet? And, and from, from what I understand from the Meyer material, we, we did not – actually, one of the cool things that came out, you know, not that you need the trivia, but that we did not evolve from the apes. The apes evolved from us. Isn't that interesting? Now, I think it's important also to say along with that that – there was we did not evolve from apes, but that there was um, a primate that we did evolve from. Yes, and, and, and it's good to say that. Oh yeah, there there was a humanoid here, and what I found fascinating is that that you know we we tend to think that we are the only um, planet that, that has you know humanoid. Um, Humanoid I know, it's uh, evolution, and and the number of planets that had have had um, humanoid um, in uh, populations is is amazing. And what's really cool is there were three hundred and forty three different variations of humanoid forms, uh, and we're going back to forty million three hundred and fifty three thousand years ago. Um, 607 original human races were created and and now we're down to the point where then a couple billion years later there oh and there were 343 different variations um billions of races now exist within this galaxy 810 billion years um the milky way was formed and our galaxy produced the first human forms on the oldest of the planets 9 to 12 million years ago. So at this point, 
our galaxy has over five billion is over five billion years old, and there are seven point five million human civilizations out there within our galaxy. Now, okay, since we're getting down to numbers, uh, yes. <laughs> I want to go back because I think we're under the obligation to try to be as uh, accurate as we can be. Mm-hmm. The there's a website. It's called Creational Truth, and the guy that runs it, his name is Patrick McKnight, and his total focus is on translation. And I have to respect him for that because I haven't even started hardly in that area. And he has on his site a bulletin. It's called Bulletin 77, which came from Figu, and mm-hmm. it's, it's talking about critical errors and this was even in, for some reason, one of the books. And it talks about, and it's probably critical errors in translation. And I, I did, in fact, take notes on this whole big bulletin because I've always wondered about this, wondered about this. So let me give you what I think is the best, most accurate actual time frames, and we're kind of. I mean, these are just kind of minor details, and I don't mean to blow this out of proportion. But in the first five stages of evolution, let me talk about that again. Primitive life, rational life, intelligent life, real life, life and creational wisdom. We spend 40 to 60 million years in these. Now the phone rings, of course. 40, 60 million (laughs) years. This always happens. 40 to 60 million years in reincarnating in these five stages. Mm-hmm. Now, what is interesting, we spent 18 million years in a physical body and 42 million years in the spirit realm, just to keep that in, in, in your mind. So the 40 to 60 million years is divided between the physical body and the spirit realm. Now, the Meyer material explains that we spend under normal conditions, under ideal conditions, if you lived 100 years in the physical body, you would spend 152 years in the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we have time, we can talk about what goes on in the spirit realm. So let's move on to the sixth stage of evolution. And during this time, the spirit, uh, the human body is, is a wavering, half spiritual, half material form. And it spends 56 million years there. Now, there's, I don't know that much about what goes on in this stage. I don't know if they even reincarnation, you know, I don't, in that stage, is there a need to move in the spirit realm? I don't know, you know, exactly what happens there. I'll just leave it at that. Now, in the seventh stage is totally spiritual. There's no physical body whatsoever. And we spend seven times 52 million years in this stage, or 364 million years in these seven spiritual stages, and they each have names that I won't read right now. And then there's this other stage, which is like an eighth stage. And during this time, the spirit form evolutely passes through seven times, seven sublevels, and it spends seven times 343 million years, which I think is 2,538,000 2, 
2,530,200,000 total years merging with creation. So not to belabor minor points. It's very interesting having you on, Barbara. And I can tell you've been doing some research, too. Been doing my homework, and my num- my neighbor is uh, cutting wood. So okay. I, do ap- <laughs> I do apologize for that. I'll, I'll mute myself when I'm not talking. I can't I th- hear it. it. I don't hear it at all now, so you're fine. Well, he stopped for the second. Okay. Um, but, but is he running I, a chainsaw? Yeah. You know, there's a spiritual principle associated with this. No. We can talk about it later. It's okay. a guarantee. Yeah, it's going to happen. Guaranteed. Go ahead. But I think what's so important for people to understand is our spirits are ancient already. But they're going to be even more ancient before we get to a place where we have evolved to understand the the cosmic laws. I call them the cosmic laws, the natural laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just I, – I think that understanding that – that the Plearian, Plagerians, Plearians, that that they came down and and they they were helping Billy understand all of this, and and they gave him tremendous information, but but there there were races older than them, and and one of them is the Lyrians, and so there are cultures that were billions and millions of years humanoid out there mm-hmm. that. That that um, and I think one of the things that I read that that just fascinated me profoundly was that that they were they were protecting this planet until we were able to reach into the stars. At which point we're on our own. Mm-hmm. So so it really behooves us to not go out there until we're ready. Wow. And and I don't think we're ready because the, the Pleiarians. Um, almost put a shield around the planet, and and theoretically, I mean, there are other races that have come and gone, but for the most part, we, you know, we're not we're not playing with the big boys yet. Which and is good, probably. It, which is very good, because there are good guys and bad guys, and uh, you know, as with everyone, but the Pleiarians have gotten to a point where they are they are more spiritually oriented than some of the other. Um, visitors that 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 are on this planet, and you know, I I bring in you know the Giza stuff. <laughs> There's just oh. so much, you know. You you, you step, you, you you can't you can't go in a straight line with this material. You just can't. <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline, doesn't it? To, I to have do none. That. <laughs> uh, I don't know when the commercials are going to kick on to to just kind of change the subject here. So I don't know if it will be at the top of the hour or if they got us set up for. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter that much. But, folks, if you're listening and then we suddenly get overwritten with bumper music, that, that could happen. Uh, and I understand what you were talking about earlier, uh, Barbara, because um, the bumper music was playing and I was connected and I couldn't hear anything. So just a few mechanics on Revolution Radio have changed. So we'll have to keep that in mind. I think at the top of the hour is, is probably when the, the bumper music will play. Boy, I took us way out of the zone there. But we got to keep well, that in mind. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'll let you watch, you know, watch the clock. This is your show. But, um, but yeah, the, the Meyer material, I, I so encourage everybody to take a look at it, to listen to some of the YouTube videos and a lot of Mark's shows because he does go into this material a lot. 
I seem to pick up the cool trivia, though. So, um, well, I, it, you know, it's it's fascinating in that Billy Billy is was put here obviously to 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 be the channel through which this information gets out into humanity, and it's up to humanity to either take something from it or to or to not and to go in in another direction but and and that has happened often and and I want to go I have I have to take another side trip here because Adolf Hitler was was brought into his spirit was brought into this reality in order to help and to teach and to guide and um you know they 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 orchestrated it. They were ready to help him along, and and then another group of of extraterrestrials got a hold of him, and and the Thule Thule Society, and um, you know they talk about the Thule Society unless you know about it. They used magic mushrooms to get into altered states of consciousness. I didn't which know that. I didn't they, know that. They did. Wow. And <laughs> I, I am not a hat rack today. Um, and, and so what happened was that kind of chemical fiddling with his brain warped him to the point that, that they could now, no longer work with him. Now, let, let, let me ask you a question because I don't remember reading that this whole thing about the mushrooms. I don't doubt it whatsoever. Uh, but I, um, I also don't remember them. Did Hitler was using mushrooms? Hitler was a member of the Thule Society. I knew that, but and and they did are use. Ex- the- are we extrapolating a little bit here that Hitler was probably using mushrooms, or is this no. a fact? No, I I had um, for some reason, some strange reason. Um, probably 30 years ago had a fascination with Hitler because I, I frankly thought his artwork was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I thought that, I thought that as he was growing up when his mother died, um, he gave up his inheritance to his sister so she could survive. He did, he did generous, kind, loving things. He did. You know, he was against hunting because he didn't think animals should be arbitrarily killed like that. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying he was a good guy. He was a monster. He became later, though, but he wasn't originally that way. And so I can see the Pleiarian influence in him. Uh, But but then, and and we, you know, you often wonder, he, I think it was three times he applied to the art school in Vienna and was rejected. Right. And, and so... Once that happened, he kind of lost hope, and he went on a downward slope. And then, you know, he enlisted in the army, and he he had the um, he was gassed, and he was blind for a certain period of time. And then, and then nature went its way, and and he became who he became. But the Thule Society um, was draconianly influenced, and and i i read in a number of books that he he did use the mushrooms oh okay okay well that's you know legit they're in they're in my hitler books this ah. was not this was not me jumping the gun and saying mm-hmm. that if this then that so that so that when you when you put a chemical into your body that that enhances or shifts your consciousness before you have evolved to that level 
you get warped, you get out of balance. And, and the, then you go down a pathway that is not the spiritual pathway you were meant to be on. Wow. Look, can I throw in something here? You sure. know, a lot of people are very pro psychedelics now and they're of this mind. Oh, this is going to help your evolution. But Billy's not. Continue. I just thought I would yeah. throw that in. No, no, I am. I am. To- you know, we evolve. Our consciousness evolves as is appropriate for our spirit that is within us. Mm-hmm. And and it is possible to um, break through a lot of the walls that are there to protect us with the, <laughs> with the psychedelics. But what happens is we get flooded with material that we aren't ready or old enough to understand or utilize within our reality, and that screws us up. You and, know, I, uh, sorry to interrupt you again, but I listen to Joe Rogan sometimes. Have you ever heard of him? Joe? Rogan? Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, have you never heard of him? Okay. No. Well, he has a very, very, he, probably the biggest podcast in the world right now. And he does a lot of film. And he's a very uh, pro-marijuana person. He literally smokes marijuana on his show. And I personally think that I've watched him kind of um, – I think he was a lot better f- – off five or ten years ago. I just say that. I don't want to cast dispersion, but it makes me sad because a lot of people that use drugs and psychedelic, it it like has a bad effect on them, a visible effect. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I, I do agree. And I, I, I also, there is that other side to it that, that marijuana is very helpful for pain yes. management and things yes. like that. But but if you're if you're using it for that, fine. It's a different degree. Um, it's a different amount. It's a different strength if you're using it for medical purposes. But if you're using it to dull your brain, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You are not enhancing or opening yourself up. You are not enabling yourself to to get into those magic places that have the light in them that. That, that have the answers you're looking for. And, you know, are we going to find it all this lifetime? Probably not. But, but um, you have to have clear thought and you have to have a balanced life and you have to have a balanced physicality. And if you are out of balance, then that will skew your perception and that will skew your understanding and that will skew everything. It'll screw you. You, you know, <laughs> I, I from time to time will drink some wine, but I really don't have a big urge or desire to be in an altered state some people do well well i think the spiritual work puts you there um when i when i painted the deck of cards when i when i do channeling for the, for my website i get so high off of that energetic that that alpha theta state that you put yourself in that it it it's a natural high and I think it's better because I have never been hung over from doing creative work. And, and you know, I'm a, ve- I'm a very bad drinker. So one, one glass of wine wipes me out for the next day. So, do so you, I don't. Do you sleep or? Uh, not a lot. Um, maybe three, four hours a night. No, I mean when you drink wine. What the, you said it wiped you out. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel bad. I go to bed and I don't get up for a day. No kidding, on one glass? Yeah, it doesn't like me. Wow, okay. Well, that's interesting. So, so you know, when you have people like Hitler 
who who you know he was he was advised by psychics which i found fascinating he actually um had um a whole psychic group he had the ss going and looking for the elongated skulls i mean he was on he still had that spiritual urge but he wanted to use it to control and manipulate not to enlighten and and teach well, the play Iron do say in one of those contact reports, I took some lengthy notes on it. I'll have to look up on the website exactly what contact report it was, but uh, that he was originally, he was impulsed by the play and they were planning on him being a leader, a very beneficial leader for, for the world until this fellow named Herman Steinschneider, who was part of the uh, he was like one of the humans that were in contact with, now I say humans, even the Giza intelligence are humans, but he was one of the earth humans that was in contact with these Giza intelligences, which I'm afraid to go down that path, Barbara, because that is like the whole show if we go there, maybe. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's, but, but I think that. You know, when you when you understand that that it isn't just you know embrace this material, it's question everything and and learn and grow and gain wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't swallow anything. I mean, Billy's material you can question, and 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 I question some of it. And you know, every now and then I find something that I go, oh, maybe maybe that'll work. You know, but 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 if you don't question then you can't catch those that are that are trying to masquerade as ish wishes and and i think i'm glad I, you I brought think, that term up too because that's a whole uh, area we probably want to talk about <laughs> yeah i'm af- i'm afraid there's so much here um but but what happens is you know with with what's going on here especially today billy's material fits it works it does um, work. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I totally, absolutely agree with him because I'm sure I'll find something to argue with him over. But, but for the most part, his material, his explanation makes greater sense to me than anything else that I've read so far. Well, thanks for saying that because I, I totally agree with that statement. I say it's the most profound source of wisdom on the planet. Well, I, I would agree. And, you know, his books, while you need, you know, you need to have um, hip boots on to wade into some of it, and, and it may take you a lot longer to read it than you anticipate, um, there's value there. There's worth there. And, you know, I think one of the important things, too, is um, if it feels right, then you keep going. If it doesn't feel right, it means it's not for you right now. And it and, might not be. And it might not be this lifetime. And that's okay because we obviously have trillions and trillions of years to, to muck through all of this. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other thing that I've found that, you know, I didn't spring on you, but, but I'll do that anyhow. Um, the Meyer material about creation and evolution and gods and godlike things. Um, have you ever read any of the Toth material, the Emerald Tablet material? I, I, I think I did. I, you know, I – Probably I have not spent much time, that much time with it, though. Well, it dovetails. You know, it fits in, and and it fits in even with um, a lot of the Buddhism stuff. It fits in. The Meyer material fits into every religion. Hmm. And and if you pay attention to it, if you don't, if you don't step back and say, "Oh no, he was German," and or or he knows nothing, and it's all garbage. It's it's not true, and. 
it will blend in with any major religion, but it will take it out of a religious sense of, of uh, it, it'll take it out of a religious um, format. And I think that's the biggest thing here. This is not a religion. This is a philosophy. Hmm. This, is an, this is an explanation. Ah, well said. I like that better even. An explanation. So that, so that so that it's not you are not meant to worship it, pray to it, or whatever. You're meant to apply it to your life and live a better life and a richer life and a more meaningful life. But but it's not a religious experience. It, it it's it's a philosophical one. Hmm. Uh, good points. Very good points. I wanted to go back to talk about creation a little bit. Um Creation, Billy doesn't use the term God. He said, he says there is no God in the sense that the religions teach. For example, there is no Heavenly Father. A lot of, a lot of religions will talk about a Heavenly Father. He says that a Father, well, I put it this way in my kind of my own worldview of it, uh, that your Father, my Father did this at times, will intervene and override your free will to protect you. Now, the, the creation is a spiritual energy without a personality. It doesn't intervene. It, that's why we've had 50 to 80 million people killed in World War II. Um, it, it is a what they call in the German a Wesenheiten. It evolves in fixed stages over a certain period of times that um, we'll talk about in, in shortly, it is neutral positive in its nature. And it has created laws in our universe. And the first creational natural law is the law of love. Now, this is not a, a romantic love. It's rather an effective love. And in the Figa material, it describes this. So, we, for example, the love concept can be either affective, which is romantic, or effective. After affective meaning a romantic style of love, which is transient in nature. It comes and goes. It rises to great heights. It plummets to great depths. It often leads to despair. Now, but the kind of love that we're talking about here is an effective love. It's a love that is based on our innermost being and is not transient and cannot expire. And the Meyer material says this effective love is the love of creation and that which we also sense, perceive, and feel. So I wanted to read a little bit of what's called Love Letter 27. It says... No life is able to exist without love and without the light of truth. However, no light is able to exist without love and truth, and no truth is able to exist without light and love. True love is true being, and it is the everlasting warmth from the center of creation, which is described as true existence. Now, this is one of the things that stuck with me for the longest time. It says, love is the highest principle of creation. And through it, everything exists in absolute logic. Uh, 
So love is the highest principle of the creational natural laws. It's an effective love. And all of the universe exists in this absolute logic. The love of creation is everywhere because without it, nothing at all would be able to exist. The individual should therefore be aware that he exists only through the love of creation and that he carries this love within himself. Creation created everything in love and logic and put the same love in all its creatures so that life itself is love. So let's let's talk about that. For example, everything exists in absolute logic. If you look at a tree, it has it provides home for animals like um, a squirrel. Uh, it provides home for the birds. It provides shade for people. It also stops erosion or, or the, the water from washing the soil away. Groups of trees form forests, and these forests have a moderating effect on the weather which is the most interesting thing that I've studied for a while. Now, I noticed that we are coming up to 4.55, and I don't know if we would expect the studio to start with the commercials at this point or not. I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm a little antsy about it, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm getting on another very important topic here. So it's like, at what point am I going to be cut off? You know what I mean? <laughs> or will you be cut off, and will they just broadcast over you? I, I, I have no idea. I, I really don't know. But um, I'll, uh, I guess we'll, we'll have to go with it. I guess we'll continue and see what happens here. But in okay. any, any case, force moderate the weather, and then we'll probably get an overpopulation, but I want to stay a little bit on creation if we can. The, the forests... They cre- create a shaded area, especially in the summer, which can be much cooler. You you live in a forested area, right, Barbara? Clearly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you yeah you hear oak trees being cut up after the after the tornado hit us. Is what this is. <laughs> you, you had a tornado recently. Yeah. Oh uh, my goodness. A couple of weeks ago. My yeah. goodness. Two of my mighty oaks came down. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it really is. Yes, I do live in a forest. (laughs) So one of the things that the forest does, it provides shade, but that keeps the air cooler in the summer. Now, in the winter, it stops the the light from reflecting back. You know, if you have no forest, you have all white snow and ice, that has a higher albedo. It reflects back. So the forest keeps some of that from uh, reflecting. And I'm just getting a message from a buddy here that the transition music started. So I guess we'll wait for a few minutes. We'll take a break, folks. Yep, yep, yep. When we can begin again, we were talking about, I started talking about creation because this is one of the terms. And we're eventually going to get to the Might of Thoughts book and get into that book. But there are some concepts that I think it's important to know, and I went off on love because Billy, I think, I think he's really hit the nail here on something. Does does the stuff on love have the impact on you, Barbara, that it has on me, or what are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I totally resonate with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there is, there are many different kinds and levels of love. And most people really don't understand that. And they, they don't understand that that cosmic love, I call it cosmic love, um, is, is, it's, um, it has absolutely no, um, nothing attached to it. Mm-hmm. It is, un- it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, it's sort of like, I, I described it once that, that whoever created, whoever, whatever was the source of our creation was like scattering seeds amongst the, the planets, the universe. You know, some would grow, some would not. But but when you when you plant seeds like that, when you scatter seeds, you don't hover over every one of them. You know that the ones that are appropriate are going to grow, and they grow no matter what. Mm-hmm. And and I I do believe that that's that's where we come from. We have a spirit within us that is whole, that is complete, that is powerful and that has access to knowledge above our our intellect for sure and and it's nobody's going to intervene or interfere with our evolution or our journey throughout time and i i think most people get great comfort out of praying and going to church and stuff like that but in my mind it's it's like okay i have the power to get through whatever it is that's that's facing me and and I'll figure it out or or I'll get a message or there will be something from my higher consciousness not from a father god but mm-hmm. and and I think it would be really good if you explained where that term god came from because okay okay yeah I can do that uh the the term God, according to my information, came from a, a Lyrian word when the people from Lyra Vega were here. They had a term called King of Wisdom or Ishwish. And these were human beings that were extremely evolved. Uh, I'll give an example of one who wasn't a Lyrian. He came, he was a Playaran and he was here 150,000 years ago. His name was Pelagon, very interesting person. He headed a civilization. There was this civilization here on the earth, the Playaran, had a civilization that lasted for quite some time, 10,000 years, I think, off the top of my head. But what was interesting about Pelagon is uh, some of the stories associated with him. He could make plants grow with his mind. He could also kind of levitate himself. So, But he was very benevolent. He was uh, he he led this civilization on Earth for about a thousand years. He or two thousand years. He lived for almost two thousand years, just because of the power of his spirit. Uh, and these higher evolved beings, most of the time, were benevolent. But sometimes you would get a king of wisdom who was not so balanced in his spirit. Spiritual teachings, for example, there was a guy named Eris the Barbarian during the time of Atlantis and Lemuria, who was a really bad guy. He was a tyrant and a killer, and he was very advanced in terms of science, but he was brutal. So the term Ishwish eventually became to mean the term that we now have for God. Now, and Barbara kind of hinted at the Giza intelligences. Uh, 
the Giza intelligences, there was one of the Giza intelligences uh, who was, his name was Hen, and he was called Jehovah, and the Meyer information says he was the God of the Old Testament. But he wasn't the creator of the universe. A lot of these kings of wisdom, at least the ones from the Giza intelligences, passed themselves off as the creator of the universe. And they demanded worship, and when they, if they didn't get worship, they would, there would be people that would be killed. And um, the, this whole group of the Giza intelligences were here um, after the fall of Atlantis and Lemuria. If we take out of the picture Eris, who was here during the time of Atlantis and Lemuria, they were here starting back about 12,500 years ago. Um, they, they had a headquarters underneath the Great Pyramid in these old cubicle constructions, which were about 73,000 years old. And uh, a guy named Erisame who was a part of the lineage because what would happen is the leaders would come to power and they would rule by brutality and they would have offspring and the offspring a lot of times would turn against the father would be killed by the son and they would that's how the the whole leadership got passed down well Erisame uh, was driven off the earth um, I believe it was Jehovan who had the who had the son Erisame. Erisame was driven off the earth by Ptah and Solom, who were his two brothers. He wanted to take the power from his father. Well, eventually Erisame came back and went under the Great Pyramid, established a headquarters there for these Giza intelligences. Uh, eventually, Erisim came to power, and then he had a son. Actually, Erisim was, his son didn't come to power. Erisim was in charge for a while, and then he was thrown out of power by his nephew, who was known as Hen, who was called Jehovah in the Old Testament. And he was the Old Testament God, and we could talk about Numbers chapter 31, if we wanted to get into some of the things that were going on at that time. Uh, but eventually, Hen was, he died eventually, I believe. And uh, Kamigal the first came into power. And Kamigal, the, there were two Kamigals, Kamigal the first, Kamigal the second. One of those two guys was actually here during the time of Hitler, which you were talking about earlier, uh, Barbara, and they were in contact with the Thule Society in Germany. There was a guy named Hermann Steinschneider who they were influencing, who Hermann Steinschneider was influencing Hitler. So what this group, it was a group of extraterrestrials, a spinoff of the player and themselves. These people were human beings. They were quote-unquote gods. Some of them were ish-wishes. And an ish-wish is kind of a term, kind of like professor or doctor. And the individual who has that 
title can may be benevolent or not. So that's kind of a long-winded explanation. <laughs> well, I, I think also it's important for people to understand that, that the word God really was a title like a general or a major or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good it, analogy. I you know, thought it, of that. It, it didn't mean I created all of creation. It meant this is the level that I have, that the, this is the title, the level. This is my office. Yeah. And, and so we as, you know, we, we as humans and uh, sort of put that title on people and assumed that they were the head of the organization. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, and they weren't mm -hmm. at all, ever. None of them. Um, I, I mean, you, you just, I mean, the spirit, I'll throw another word in here that you'll cringe at, but, but you know, creation <laughs> is not the top of the, of, of the food chain. It's the absolute of the absolutum. Yeah, the yeah, boy, uh, Barbara, boy, you're going to bring in stuff that's just, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's not <laughs> we, even, we'll, let's we'll not cover that, that this by. show, right? Yeah. No, that's no, but but, but, but what I'm saying is that there are different levels. There is a hierarchy here, and what I love is that. 15, 20 years ago, I wrote something for my website, and I, I said, you know, I hate to tell you this, but God is not the top of the food chain, hmm. and and. When I wrote it, I thought, oh, everybody's going to think I'm absolutely crazy. And now I go back and I look at it and I said, I was inspired. That was inspired writing <laughs> because it's not. And, and I think that, that we have to understand that, that we, we are the prodigies of a thought, an energetic thought that became creation, that became us billions and trillions of years later. Our universe is 46 trillion years old it was created 46 trillion years ago there was a sister universe also created called the dern de excuse me the dow universe mm -hmm. and no ton no pun intended where the dern universe d-e-r-n yeah and both of these universes were created 46 trillion years ago and our universe is in its expansion phase, which will last 155.5 trillion years. And then it will go into a contraction phase for the same amount of time. During the expansion phase, there will be human spirits created, mm -hmm. but not during the contraction phase. And then... After it stops its contraction phase, it goes into a sleep period. And during that sleep period, it will be just like human beings who need sleep. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, living be a living being. The, the universe, the creation is a living being. And it, it is contained, contains of seven belts, and it's in a double spiral. It's in an egg shape, and it's divide, divided into these seven rings. And these seven rings, which we call belts, are counter-rotating against each other. There's a central core. There's a second belt. is called the Ur-Core belt. The third belt is called the Ur-Space belt. Now, what's interesting about the Ur-Space belt is positive energies flow out of the Ur-Space belt and move to what's called the fourth 
belt, which is the solid state matter universe belt. This is where all the planets, the suns, the galaxies, the comets, the gases, the dark matter, and all of this positive energy from the Earth's space belt moves into the solid state or matter universe belt and meets negative energies, which are coming from belt five, which is the transformation belt. And these two, the negative and the positive, form material. And there has to be in a negative and a positive. And the matter in our material belt is will not last any more than 45 billion years. So this is our universe, and it has these seven belts that counter-rotate against one another, and there is an intelligence behind it all. It's not a heavenly father. It radiates love, but it's really a neutral, positive being. It it's neither good nor bad, which is hard for us to imagine. But let me tell you more about this whole concept of love coming from creation. It, it says here in Love Letter 27, Each smallest plant, each ever so tiny animal was created in love by creation, each creation existing according to the same law of love. All life is in the absolute perfection that which it should be through the love of creation. Except for humans, every life form lives exactly by creation's plan. Now, because we have a consciousness, we can turn away from creation's plan. And we turn away from love, and we must again and again learn what true love is. The Humans can turn away from love, and to them, if you turn away from the love of creation, the the universe will feel as a very harsh place to you, because the infinite love of creation connects all life, because in all life this love lies hidden. And I love this passage here. I often quote it, all of nature and its indescribable splendor is nothing but the love of creation expressed visibly. So when you start to observe the incredible beauty, the incredible splendor of nature, you will start to understand that the, the, the creation itself is radiating love. And it says here, the, the laws are so wonderfully arranged that people everywhere come up against its radiating love. Now, we may not know it. We may not sense it. It says here, if, however, he closes his senses, he may not feel it and find it. And hence he declares that there is no love in this world. But creation has formed and arranged everything so wonderfully so that people recognize the majestic love of creation at every moment and every place. Now, Billy says here, of course, one cannot easily go there to contemplate nature and to feel and find in the love of creation and also one's own love, especially not for when many years one has felt differently. And listen to what he says here. The way to sense 
are full in the love of creation is primarily through thinking because thinking influences the feeling. If, for example, one stands before a tree, one should become fully aware that this tree is the product of creation's love, just as the forces of nature which enable it to grow and to flourish. This action may seem to be somewhat ridiculous or maybe even embarrassing at the beginning because it is most unusual, and this is because the appropriate feelings are still missing. The longer, the more these thoughts affect loving feelings and spiritual fine sensitive feelings and finding in. And these in turn will make the bond with all life a certainty that a simple blade of grass, a bird, a shrub, or some other living creature is driven by the same love to fulfill its purpose in creation's plan. As humans should also, as the highest life form on the planet, since a long time ago, the human carries a fragment of creation within. Therefore, the love of creation within him is that power which he is able to evoke in himself. The more respectfully the love of creation in all life is perceived and felt, the German word is empfinden, the stronger it also becomes in person. Then suddenly love is no longer such an insincere and longingly hoped for experience, but the real, spiritual, fine, sensitive feeling of one's own mental effort. So he, go, he goes on here with, with the love of creation. Well, and let me, let me kind of give a different, uh, you know, uh, certainly one that goes along with that, but it, for anyone who has, is a, has a creative nature, whether it's art, whether it's cooking, whether it's music, whether it's whatever it is, when, when, when you are trying to create something, when, when you have an idea and, and you work on it within your head and you, you, you let go and allow the spirit to flow through you, you, you end up creating and manifesting a manifestation of that pure, unconditional love within you. And by doing that, by allowing yourself, by, step, by the ego stepping aside, allowing spirit to come through and manifest, anyone listening to the music or viewing the art or, or eating the food will, will feel the unconditional love that has gone into the creation of whatever it is that you have put before them and we'll get that feeling of the unconditional love of creation. I, I, that sounds interesting. You know, you've recently ordered the Goblet of Truth, correct? I have, yes. Did you, have you gotten any more information? Are they going to send it to you? Do, you? do you know? Oh, yeah. It's all taken care of. Oh, really? Well, we'll have to chat about that. Um, I'm interested. Did they let you send a check or send a money order? Or Oh, I just sent a personal check. They allowed that. That's fantastic. Thank you for telling me that. that used <laughs> no problem. To, they, they, they used to not allow that. That's phenomenal. Okay. I wanted to read a little bit from the Goblet of Truth, not too much, because that's probably one of his writings that have most impressed you that I'm getting the feeling of. Is that true? Or? It's just my philosophy. Oh, that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Let me... Let me read a little bit here. This is from the Goblet of Truth, 
And this is the law of harmony. We've talked about the law of love, which is the first creational natural law. The second creational natural law is the law of striving or work or effort. And the third law of the universe is the law of harmony, which we'll talk about in more depth from the Might of Thoughts book here. I'm kind of waiting put that last. Uh, it says here, You human beings, you are a part of the universe with its immutable eternal laws and recommendations of the creation in which a purpose for existence is also determined for you. The sense of life which is given relatively highest possible evolution of the consciousness. And if you recognize this life purpose and life sense and bring it into relationship with your own existence at every hour, every day, and at all times, then you will unavoidably recognize yourselves and be the Lord and Master over yourself. And this is what we're going to learn here in a minute from the Might of Thoughts. And maybe this is a good segue. Maybe we'll start. Let's go ahead and start because you've started, uh, Barbara, you started to read the Might of Thoughts, correct? You still there? Hello? Yes, sorry. Yes, I'm here. I just mute myself because the buzzsaw is getting to me. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think what I have found so fascinating is that 20 years ago, if I had seen these books, I probably wouldn't have read them. Isn't that something? But now they seem to be more in line with the philosophy that the last 20 years has created within me so that, so that um, I'm not sure if, if I, am, I have been creating my own philosophy or and Billy has been, been tuning into me because, you know, I did a deck of cards that, I, um, that, I, that, that is out there. It's the Cosmic Deck of Initiation. And one of the, um, one of the parts of the, of the deck are uh, universal energies and cosmic laws. And, and when you, you know, said the law of harmony, that's one of the cards in my deck. That's fascinating. <laughs> so, so um, and the deck was created to be a quote unquote light energy deck, a spiritual, um, a spiritual, uh, a way of getting a spiritual philosophy out to people without telling them this is a spiritual philosophy. So, you know, I am very, very synchronistic with a lot of the spiritual material because it's stuff I've already said and written. That's interesting. The, the, the creational natural laws, just to bring up, we've talked about the law of love and we're talking about the highest form of love, effective love. There's the law of striving, the fundamental law of all evolution. Without striving, there is no life. And I'd have to get my other book out, and maybe I'll have to do that a little bit later. Uh, the Law of Harmony, which is the bipolar structure of everything, the positive and the negative, and that is the law. In order to have happiness, you have to continually be striving. If you're going through a time when you've noticed a decrease in happiness in your life for whatever reason, you'll probably want to pick up your striving. This is one of the the laws of of nature that I've really uh, learned about the Meyer material. Let me let me turn the page since we're talking about it. I think it's on page one hundred two uh, here, and I'll read a few sections. 
just from the law of striving. That would be interesting. Okay. Striving creates the life. Right up to the being. Striving means delectation, which is a word for like satisfaction, in a form which is always fulfilling and progressive. Now, this is one of the laws of the universe. If you're depressed, if you're feeling bad, I go back to this. Are you sure you're striving enough? Maybe you should step up your striving. Your striving might mean just cleaning your garage. It may mean studying material like this. It may mean working harder at your day job, whatever that is. To be without striving means unwillingness and affliction. Affliction is inhibited striving and inhibited life. But inhibited striving and inhibited life bring inhibited evolution and stagnation, hopelessness, grief, confusion, irrationality, joylessness, cognitionless, unpeace, disharmony, lovelessness, resentment, lies, self-deceit, reluctance for life. So if you're going through a very difficult time, one of the things that you need to look at is, are you striving intensely enough? So if you think you're striving intensely enough, the other law to look through is the law of harmony. And what that will tell you is, okay, do I feel a sense of harmony? Am I in balance? The might of thoughts teaches us to be in a neutral, positive balance. That means you're not overly positive, and you're certainly not negative. So let's start on page two of the might of thoughts. I can see we're down to about a half an hour here. It says, this is something I highlighted today because it was particularly interesting. It says, but thoughts are created in the consciousness. Consequently, this is the origin of all might. Might which forms one char one's character as well as one's morality, as well as the external circumstances of life and the way through life. So the consciousness, the thoughts, are what creates the might. There is a difference between might and uh, power. And the Meyer material talks about this. And if you look in the this book called The Psyche, back on page 216, he defines some of these terms. He says, power is that which triggers or releases energy. Huh. Uh, isn't that interesting? And yeah, and go ahead. I was just going to, um, I did this deck of cards in, in 1991. It was published then. And part of the explanation for, I call it universal harmony, is in inner harmony you are creating a new whole that is greater than the sum of all your parts. Your harmony is the joy of the spirit interweaving with the universal love and healing. Hmm. That's very nice. Same stuff. Well, truth is truth, right? Exactly. You're just coming to it from a different, you know, uh, direction or whatever. Well, it, I... I Anyone searching for the truth is going to find the truth, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the important thing that, that so many people don't understand. First of all, everyone has their own individual personal truths, but, but they are all part of a whole. They, you know, create a whole truth. And, and if you take someone else's truth and you, and you try to make it your own, you are denying your own individuality. Hmm. So finding your own personal truth 
and feeling in harmony with the universe, you are you are adding a greater richness to the universe as a whole. Hmm. Very true. So I wanted to just bring that definition that might is the factor that is dominating or controlling might uses power and it Mm -hmm. stands above power. The might of the thoughts, the consciousness. So the power starts in the consciousness, the, it forms your character. Oh yeah. And I think what's, what's fascinating is creation, the universe, all of it started with a thought. Oh, Absolutely, the power of our thoughts. Yeah. So I want to bring up some information related to the might of thoughts here because it dovetails with something that I've recently found. Uh, the 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 information that Bruce Lipton brings up, which I think is is very very interesting. Uh, I want it, he one of the things he talks about is. Uh, and this isn't Billy per se, so I, I, I try to keep that straight to people. So they can, you know, people can say, ah, okay, I'll listen to this with a grain of salt. So listen to this with a grain of salt. It's Bruce Lipton. I think he does a real good job. In fact, uh, Marianne Eulinger from Switzerland uh, turned me on to, to Bruce Lipton. And Bruce says the first seven years of our life, we are in what he calls a theta state and we're not really conscious per se. We're almost hypnotized. And what we're doing is observing and he calls downloading programs. So we're observing our father, our mother, and we download their behaviors. Some of them good, some of it's bad. And for the first seven years of our life, we're doing this. So a lot of our behavior is subconscious. It's coming from, these ingrained habits and things that we learned in the first seven years of, of our life. So one of the things we want to do and, and is to get out of behavior that's subconscious. In other words, automatic. So you always want to be steering your ship, as Billy says. Do not allow your thoughts to drift, but steer your thoughts. And one of the things that we have to fight against is these things which are ingrained in our subconsciousness. And he says on page 216, this is what Billy says, do not ever allow yourself to drift on the ocean of life. Rather, take the helm in hand and steer the ship of life to solid ground. Always take the helm firm in your hands and do not let the waves rip it away from you. So do not lose your conviction about a good end. And one of the things to learn here is that optimism is a prerequisite for consistency in life. So what is optimism? Optimism is hopefulness. It's confidence about the future. A prerequisite is required for something to happen. So don't lose your conviction about a good end. So we need to learn, and this is, this is what I've taken from all of this reading over time. We need to program our subconscious. And Billy's talked about being confident, optimistic, cheerful. 
So I, I create a little list and I tell myself, I'm confident, I'm optimistic, I'm cheerful, I'm relaxed, I'm enthusiastic, I'm thankful, I'm in harmony, I persist, I persevere, I endure, I am calm, I am satisfied. And Dr. Bruce Lipton explains that as programming the subconscious. Because if you don't program your subconscious, you'll start to run on these patterns that are already ingrained in us. And some of them come from society. Some of them come from our, our parents. And this, these are very bad things. We need to live life consciously and to be thinking so let, let me read this here. It says, the manner in which the thoughts are to be mightfully used is determined by the consciousness itself, by your personality. If a human being is not aware of this irrefutable fact because he or she has lived so far in a well-tended unknowledgedness as well as in ignorance of these matters. And if you do, now, if you live to, uh, with your default programming in your subconsciousness, this is what will happen. You will live in the pain and suffering and affliction and disadvantage that results from that. So the human being can now perceive this truth, the great cognition and the cognizance for himself, as well as the knowledge, the practical experience. So what we're trying to do is to learn the skill of observing our thoughts and to make sure our thoughts are in a neutral positive state that we're in harmony. Let me, let me read it. It says here, however, the thoughts must be neither purely negative nor purely positive, but equalized, neutral positive equalized. And neutral positive equalized thinking Therefore, means that both the positive and the negative are brought together and equalized, whereby a healthy and progressive thinking arises. On its own, negative thinking leads to something called a sartang, which means being out of control of the good human nature. Purely positive thinking will put you in the same way. And that's why a lot of these positive thinkers will kill themselves. <laughs> well, yeah. Have you um, heard of that? Have you heard of that? I, I have, and and you know, it does take them out of reality. <laughs> uh, but but I I think it's important too for people to, in some manner or form, follow their bliss at all times. Oh yeah. And that and that doesn't mean you quit your day job and you go off and join the circus, uh, unless right. of course you know you, you are a good clown or something. But <laughs> exactly. But but there is a way to sell. You know, life should be a celebration. And in, in my mind. And, and so finding things that, that, that give me joy and, and putting them in in little places where I might not have, you know, used them. Or I, I, I have found that the happier I am, the more joyful I am, um, first of all, the younger I feel. Mm -hmm. and and the healthier I feel, and it creates a magnetism, and it draws other like-minded people to me. Hmm. That's and, very true. And it's it's sort of, it, it's, it's, I think I say it a little more simply than, than Billy does, but I think we say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. But, 
It, it is it is so important. And, you know, sometimes you go through trauma, sometimes you go through difficulties, and and that's part of life. But it, it doesn't mean that you let it linger. It means that you embrace it and you process it and you move on. And so many people don't do that. They don't embrace it, process it, and move on, no matter whether it's a, a death of a spouse or, 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 you know, God forbid, a child. Um, sure. It's 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 a part of life, but but and life does have its ups and downs. But this is meant to be a celebration, as far as I can tell. There is joy all around us, and if we if we embrace that and we bring that into our lives, it gives us a, a it gives us it, it takes us from a black and white world to a technicolor world in a heartbeat. Along those lines, we're talking about the power of our thoughts the might of our thoughts. And there's also this concept called the swinging wave. Schwingung in the German, I'm probably not doing a very good pronunciation of that. But these swinging waves, they're electromagnetic swinging waves. And they're, uh, we're talking about periodically build up electromagnetic fields, which are not bound to matter. And I wanted to bring this up because I think it's very interesting. It says, they include energies and unfold powers which can be of, a, of, a, of a immense might. Uh, the containing energy in the swing wave is radiated in the form of a wave. And swinging is neither a vibration or a quaking, a tremoring, nor an oscillation. <coughs> There, um, he reckoned swinging would probably be understood wrongly. The best choice is still waves, hence waves. He also said the swinging itself also swings. Uh, now, whatever that means, I, I don't know exactly. But there's this wonderful passage in the Goblet of Truth. And since you're going to be getting that book, you can look it up. And it has the heading, What the Truth Knows to Say. And it goes on to say, rivers, stones, plants, trees, uh, everything that crawls and flies on the earth is a life form with a spirit form. And these spirit forms are on a journey through time, which involve many, many lifetimes. And death is just the passage into the world of pure spirit. And many of these creatures are connected together. And they are aware of each other. And they are connected and by this psychic swinging wave to a degree. And if you go out into the forest and you see the birds, you can see them and they move on a dime uh, instantly in the flock. You can see the same thing in a fish. And what the Meyer material talks about, and I was reading about this today. I don't know if I'll be able to find it or not. But there is something called the we form. And humanity is a we form. In fact, I think the whole creation is what's called a we form. And the we form is, is, is nature is a we form to a degree. So let me read something if I can find it here. Uh, let's go. Okay. Um, it's called the oneness of the universe. The whole universe is a oneness which flows through all things, all existence and all life. 
In oneness, the human being who has distinct needs is also integrated, whereby the universal oneness responds when he or she brings words to expression. It responds to the positive thoughts and feelings and to the positive word pronounced, and indeed in an equally directed wise, consequently a positive reaction takes place. So if you, if you put out neutral positive, you're going to get neutral positive back. However, if the thoughts and the feelings are negative, then a corresponding negative reaction takes place. And since the human being is a universal vasin connected in the oneness with everything, he or she works in the greater whole. And it is for this reason announced for him or her based on the thoughts and the feelings in the word to dwell only in that which is positive, equalized, affirmative, optimistic, and to encompass and include the source of the oneness in the wise. So we're supposed to think in this neutral, positive way. And as it says in the Might of Thoughts, good thoughts lead to good feelings. Good feelings lead to good habits. And good habits lead to good circumstances in your life. So you're the master of your own destiny. You're the forger of your own fortune. You are the creator of the circumstances in your life. You are the forger of your own fortune. You are the master of your own destiny. So let's talk a little bit about the term the laws and the commandments of creation because and this is something that Christian in Switzerland wrote and he says here if there is a mention of creative laws and commandments or laws and commandments of creation respectively following the explanations must be given to individuals who have already dealt in detail with the spiritual teachings and especially with creation's existence since creation, the universal consciousness of our during universe, is not a person or some personification quite contrary to the belief in God, the Father by various religions, but it is an impersonal spiritual energy or power. It creation never enacted any commandments that stipulate or dictate to human beings to do this or to do that. Now let me let me explain something that you have a spirit form. It's located in your superior colliculus in an area of the middle brain and it will impulse you. It will send you signals, you meaning your material consciousness, which is who you are in this lifetime. And if you listen to those impulses, and follow those impulses, things will go well for you. If you don't, and we all don't sometimes, and when you don't, you will feel alienated from yourself. You will feel internally separated. Just wanted to keep that in mind. So creation is this impersonal spiritual energy or power that radiates love, which is fascinating. It's not personal, though. I, it's more like the sun radiating light and heat. So let, let me continue here. Creation never enacted any commandments that stipulate or dictate to human beings to do this or that. 
A commandment, you shall, is only valid in the material realm, and it, the commandment, can only stem or emerge from a source where certain individual aspects in direct reference to the coarse matter human being who owns a consciousness capable of evolution exist. The later indicates that commandments are not applied to the realm of flora and fauna. So you don't tell the flora and fauna what to do. You don't give commandments to animals either. Firstly, commandments can be enacted or established by human beings. Also, those were representing society, state, or religious groups. And secondly, by half or spiritual levels or planes with certain individual vibrational structures or aspects still exist at least as long as fusion with the universal consciousness has not yet occurred. So there are these higher realms like the Patali level. And let me continue here. It says, this backward compatibility, which is one-sided from the top down, meaning the spiritual plane is the highest level of evolution. And it says, this backward compatibility, which is one-sided top down to the material realm of the human beings, makes it possible that the highest pure spirit level, the Patali, could transmit the Decalogue or the Dodecalogue, which is actually the Twelve Commandments, while commandments leave it up to the individual whether or not they will follow or observe them. It is quite different with respect to the creative laws, which can also be laws of nature, where the phenomena and events exist etc. While the material universal belt are concerned, in order for creation to exist and evolve, and also everything that exists within the entire universe, it is necessary that the laws exist which secure an order and which make the entire system possible for a better understanding. Imagine the following example. We people on the earth have to rely on the fact that there is gravity directed toward the center of the earth and that it does not, from time to time, suddenly change towards some other direction. Example, towards the moon. Just imagine how everything that was not securely fixed to the planet would suddenly be sucked off to the moon. So that's not the case. Regarding the laws of creation, one can distinguish between those within the entire creation, including the spiritual realm, and those that mainly apply to the material realm. Of course, this is an academic separation because, as we all know, within creation, everything is connected to each other. And this is another thing that is kind of profound and hard to grasp yet because everything in the universe is one and it's all connected and it's all bound together. And when you're looking at a, a, a plant, whether it's a tree or a bush, or if you're looking at a cat or whatever, you have to start to understand over time slowly, and I'm just barely getting there personally, to understand that that is a part of you and you are a part of it, and a fragment of it exists in you. The above-mentioned example, however, regarding Earth's gravity also demonstrates the effects and compositions of the laws of nature and how they are relative. So we talked about gravity, which is a kind of a creational natural law in the material realm that we're dealing with. But gravity can be overcome. It can be overcome by a balloon. It can be overcome 
uh, by airplanes to a degree, and it can be overcome by electromagnetic levitation. So um, this this is dealing with a law of nature. Again, then we have um, examples of the law of create laws of creation. Now we talked about. And by the way, I didn't even know if I'd go off on this tangent, but it's very interesting. But there are seven belts of the universe, and we talked about that earlier. Now, our creation is in the first stages of its evolution, and we have a material belt. But when the creation, after it goes through its sleep time, after the attraction, uh, retraction, the contraction occurs, it will create itself anew and it will go into the second stage of evolution and there will be no material belt now to me that's very strange because i can't imagine a universe without matter but that's just my own lack of understanding probably the formation the creation of new new spirit forms occurs during the universe's expansion phase that's the first 155.5 trillion years and we talked about the existence of the highest form of universal love as the highest creational natural law. We talked about striving as being a fundamental law for all evolution. And if you stop striving, there is no life and there is no happiness. The first thing that ends is your happiness. And then we talked about the law of harmony which is the bipolar structure and composition. There's always a negative and a positive. And you should never try to separate the negative and the positive because these are two forces that belong together. And as soon as you separate out the negative, you will go into what's called a sartung, out of control of the good human nature. Now, there are other laws that deal with the material realm, the law of causality, cause and effect. So, example, if you bang your head against the brick wall, you're going to have a sore spot on your head at the very least, maybe worse. There's also the laws of reincarnation that we talked about a little bit today and what happens during the laws. And this will be one of the uh, repeating themes of the show if we continue on, and I hope we do, uh, to make this whole idea of reincarnation clearer. And um, and maybe we'll talk about the Nocodamian lineage of all the, the spirit forms. That the spirit form of is that currently is in Edward Albert Meyer right now was also the same spirit form in Galileo which sometimes he's called the father of modern science, for example. But in this lifetime, the spirit form is, has nothing to do with science. So that's the law of reincarnation. There's also a seven-step construction of matter, which is something I haven't gotten into yet. But that's law, one of the laws of the material realm. Interactions with chemistry, there are certain laws relating to uh, chemicals. There are the effects of thoughts, and that's what we'll get into a little bit. And for example, uh, 
there's an effect called the boomerang and that's when you when you put out thoughts which are not neutral positive that are extremely over positive and it will come back to you and instead of putting out a neutral positive and getting back a positive you will actually get a boomerang effect which is you get back an equally strong negative and when you get out of the neutral positive harmonious balance the universe will straighten you back out even if you're being positive so you can be too positive and you can get yourself in trouble that way and then speaking of tr getting in trouble I think we are right around the very end of our time <laughs> let me let me send a message to it flew our, it flew <laughs> our producer if he's still there or not he may have fallen asleep or walked away um, is there music are we getting bumper music uh, he's I don't know he's kind of I think he stepped away for a second but uh, anyway boy I didn't know I would go off on that, that long tangent but we did get a little bit of the might of thoughts. Is there anything <laughs> off the top of your head? Um, there's no music, so we're still on the air. Uh, okay. Is, did you get anything out of your – I'm sure you looked at the might of thoughts a little bit this week. I have, and I've been um, plowing through it, and, and you know, it's uh, working on it. Um, it I, I am finding that, spiritually speaking – you know, frankly, I think we are, are an absolute reflection of the universal concept of the oneness. And, and the, you know, we have it all inside of ourselves. And we, our journey here is, is to understand it and then manifest it within the reality to, to recognize the fact that we are all one family. And, and, of course, that's when we get in trouble because if, if every human being on this earth plane – understands that and and works that way that means that we'll be ready to move into the stars and that's when that that's when you know the interesting nope. stuff happens <laughs> i think the music just started i think you're right <laughs> thanks barbara i appreciate you coming on the show it was a lot of fun absolutely anytime okay great have a good day bye-bye you too